Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. How's everybody doing? Doing all right? It's getting warm outside. Second summer. We had a little bit of winter in between. That was messed up. Seriously messed up. I was out hunting with my kids. It was turkey season. It was snowing and 19 degrees. I'm like, it's supposed to be spring turkey season. No, I didn't get anything. I don't know what I did or didn't do, if I should have adjusted something for the colder weather as far as my tactics, but it didn't, it didn't work. But it's good to be here with you guys. So good. And we're, we're in a series right now, non-negotiables. We're talking about building our lives on unchanging biblical truths. Unchanging biblical truths. That, that, that's, that's what we're about. Hebrews 6.1 says this, says, therefore, let us leave elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, of faith in God, instructions about baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of dead, and the eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the resurrection of the dead. We're going to talk about resurrection. Before we do, why don't we pray? God, we thank you so much for your word God, is it a lamp to our feet and a light to our path? As we need direction, God, all we need to do is to look and that you give it and you give it through your word. God, we want to not only see the direction, but we want to act on it as well. So we thank you that by your spirit, God, you will speak to each and every one of us this evening. And then again, God, just help us to follow through with what it is that we know, that what you show us, that we will put it into practice in each and every one of our lives. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. I got a question. Have you ever, um, uh, I guess it would be, just thought somebody was somebody that they weren't? Mistaken identity. You're like, oh, I know them. And you run up to them and you get there and it's the wrong person. Ever done that? Yeah, I've done that. I've definitely done that. One time I saw one of my friends. And, uh, oh, this is way back in high school. Yeah, back in high school. I see one of my friends. It was actually back by the ground floor. And I run up. I had this thing we're going to talk about or whatever, but I run up, I'm all excited to see her. So I run up, I'm like, hey. And like from a distance, I'm like, yeah, I know exactly that this is my friend. This is Ellen. So I run up to say hi, and I'm like all excited to see her and to tell her this thing. And as I get closer, I'm like, oh, oh, you're not, you're not, you're not Ellen, are you? And this girl, this just whoever other person sees me run up all happy, like, hey, how you doing? And the closer I get, the more I'm like, oh. Oh, I don't know you. Never, never mind. I go, I go, never mind. She's like, what? And I had to explain why my face went from happy to sad just because I realized she wasn't who I thought she was. It was slightly embarrassing, but not bad. But then there was another one that happened a bit more recently than that. It was uh, about a year, year and a half ago. Um, I kind of got to set this one up a little bit. One of the things I like to do is to tease Becca, my wife. Um, it's kind of a hobby of mine. It's just, it's just, it's just fun. So one of, one, of, one of those ways that I do that is I'll sneak up behind her when she doesn't know, like maybe in Myers or the store or just like randomly out of the park or church, wherever we are, and I'll smack her on the butt when she doesn't know it's me. My favorite is when there's like somebody else standing there and you can be like, and run and she looks and sees someone else. And it's like, what? Just that momentary, like who just hit me on the butt type thing. So... I'm here at church, and, and I look, and I see Becca, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good, because it's that perfect situation where somebody else, I'm not even there, and some of you are already laughing, but somebody else is standing behind her, and she's like right over here, and I'm like, this is going to be 
awesome. I can smack her butt. She's going to turn. It's not going to be me. So I'm starting to sneak up on her. And I'm getting closer. There's some people talking. And I do this thing when I try to sneak up on people where you can't, like, you can't look at them too close because I feel like then they can feel me looking at them. I know, it's weird. I know. I know. But I do this thing where I try to like stare. So they can't tell that I'm looking at them. Because you ever felt like someone's just like drilling you in the back? You're like, who's looking at me? Well, I feel like I can get around that this way. And anyways, so I'm like big view looking at her, not staring at her, making sure that she can't feel me looking at her or sense me coming up. And I get closer. And if she's right here, I get right about here. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be good. And I'm like, something's not right. Something is, is off. I don't know what it is, but something's off. And so I back off. Oh, so luckily do I back off. It was not her, but in my defense, in my defense, I, it looked so much like her that I introduced myself to who it was and was like, can I take your picture? Because you look just like my wife and I almost smacked you on the butt. And she's like, oh, I get that all the time. I looked, I know, I know. So I think we have a picture. Can you show the first picture for me? So if, if at all you know Becca, you see the woman there in the black dress with the blonde hair? That looks like Becca, just with a little bit shorter hair. This is a year and a half ago. And if you could go to the next photo for me. It, 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 it looks, Becca, you stand up for just a second. You gotta stand up. It looks like Becca, just with a longer hair, but she had shorter hair. And straight, but you straighten your hair sometimes. <sighs> you can go past that. Thank you. So, <laughs> Mistaken identity, you know, you, you think someone's the wrong person. It's embarrassing. It could be more embarrassing. It could have been really embarrassing if I would have just been like, wham, and left a handprint on the wrong person's butt. That would not have been, not have been good. But really, I mean, what is it? It's a little bit embarrassing, maybe a little bit funny. But this is, this is also something I think a lot of Christians fall into, is mistaken identity. I think a lot of Christians mistakenly identify themselves with our bodies. It's what we see every day. When you look in the mirror, when I look in the mirror, I see, I see this. I don't look in the mirror that often, I know you can tell, but it's, it's, it's me, I, I see me. And we interact through our bodies. And on a regular basis, we, we suddenly begin to see our size, or maybe subtly not so sudden, but just over time, we kind of see ourselves as our bodies. Like, this is, this is us. But that's not the case. That is not the case, because we're a spirit that lives in a body. And we're talking about the resurrection. We're talking about resurrection of the dead. We're talking about resurrection. And we, you and I, our spirits. When it comes to who we actually are, we're spirits. But we misidentify so easily with our bodies. But we're spirits. James 2 verse 26 says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead or without deeds is dead. It says the body is dead when we leave. The spirit leaves. You and I, we are a spirit. Ezekiel, excuse me, Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, talking about our bodies. It's amazing how things just decompose and turn right back into dirt. 
I mean, it's amazing. There's a big old pile of wood the other day. We were up north, and I'm like, oh, look at all this wood. This is going to be great. I'm going to chainsaw it up here. This is going to be a riot. And I get over to this big old pile of wood. It's already chopped down and pushed off to the side here. I look, and it's just like you hit it, and pieces of it start falling off. And Avery's like, this is the best. She's running underneath it and pulling. It's all falling all over her. And I'm like, you're crazy and so cute at the same time. Oh, my goodness. But it's just, it's just decomposing. It's just coming back. It's going right back to dirt. And it's talking about how our bodies are going to do that exact same thing. They're going to go right back to the ground. And the spirit of man return to God who gave it. We are a spirit. You and I, we're a spirit. First Thessalonians 5.22 says, man, excuse me, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, I think that most, most of us, if you've been around the church very long, you understand that you are a spirit. If you're a newer Christian, you, you, this may be some news to you, but the Bible says you're, you're a spirit. Everyone is a spirit. The real you is on the inside of this thing here, your body. But we are a spirit. And on some level, we kind of know this. We describe people and we say, oh, they're this, that, the next thing. We describe them. We can without talking about their physical characteristics. And if someone's trying to set you up on a date and they try to start describing the person without their physical characteristics, you kind of assume that they might not be your type or the type that you'd be attracted to because they're describing another aspect of them. But we understand that to a level, but so often it is so easy to think, oh, I am my body. But as spirits, we will live forever. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says this, we are confident, I say, and this is Paul, and I love how the way he, he, he talks about his, his body and himself interacting with his body. He said, I would prefer to be away from my body and at home with the Lord. Verse 9, so we make it our goal to please him, whether at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and to each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body. He talks about what it's going to be like in and out. And he's like, whether I'm in the body or not, because he had a very clear understanding that he wasn't the body. And this is one of those things that when we see it clearly, when we see it clearly, hey, I can talk. When we see it clearly, it empowers us to do and to live differently. When we misidentify with our body, it's going to change the way that we live. It'll change the way we live. One of the things I absolutely love is clear goals and clarity. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. I want to know, okay, where's my target? What am I going for? What am I supposed to be doing? And now I can look and say, what do I need to do? What needs to happen? I love when there's clarity around what I'm doing, what I'm shooting, what I'm going after, what I'm running, the goals that I want to hit. I like to quantify it. I like to see it and say, okay, I'm getting better. I'm not getting better. I don't like to just mountain bike. I want my computer. I want my computer and I want it set up right so I can track, so I can see, did I go faster than the last time? Did I go slower? What about the year before? What about the year before? How am I doing? I love clarity because it helps me to see where I'm going and give me focus to then say, okay, then I want to go that way. I want to go that direction. And when we have a clear understanding 
And we begin to identify that I am a spirit that's going to live forever. My body's going to die. That reality changes the way that we live right now. It changes the way that we live. It says, wait a second, this isn't gonna be forever. If it isn't forever, then am I preparing for what's next? What am I doing to prepare for what is next? 2 Corinthians 12, 2, Paul goes on and he says, for I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know. He's like, honestly, I, I couldn't even tell. I don't know what or which it was. But he had a very clear understanding that his body wasn't him. That he was not his body. It, it simply isn't. Now, we can get used to it. There's things that we just, I'm amazed at how easily we can get used to things. Like, we don't even realize it. But we just get used to things that we don't even need to be used to. It's just, it's been that way for how long or forever, so we're just used to it. Like right now, you're used to something that you don't need to be used to. Josiah? Can you hit mute for me? Does that feel a little bit better? Raise your hand if you did not. You have no idea what I'm talking about right now. No idea. All right. Okay, raise your hand if you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, okay, put your hands down. There was a little tiny, tiny ringing. Really, really high. Just, we tried to make it subtle enough that it could disappear and wouldn't drive you so crazy you'd leave the room, but the majority of you would still be able to get it. Some of you, you're like, I just got so incredibly used to it. It didn't start until about the time I started speaking. When I get quiet, it's there. Now that it's gone, it's like, oh my goodness, I can breathe. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's amazing what we get used to. We suddenly say, oh yeah, I'm just identifying with, we just get used to working with our bodies and seeing ourselves as our bodies because that's what we interact with on a, on a regular basis. But we have to purpose and to remember that I'm a spirit on the inside. I am a spirit that forever, there's no reason for me to look for the well of eternal youth because I'm gonna live forever. The, my body isn't. But I'm gonna live forever. I like the way Paul talks about his body. In 2 Corinthians 5.1, he says this. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built with human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because we're clothed, we will not be found naked. Verse four, for, we will, for while we were in this tent, we groan and burden. He talks about our bodies like a tent. Have you ever sleep in a tent? Raise your hand if you ever slept in a tent. Raise your hand if you prefer a tent to a house. There's a reason somebody thought of houses. Because tents aren't that great. Tents are temporary. They are incredibly temporary. Thin wall. You ever campground tent? Like tent at a campground? Good grief. It's like the walls somehow magnify the sounds on the outside of everybody else around. You're like, oh, somebody three miles away just sneezed. Their dog just, it's 
oh my goodness. A tent is temporary. You take it up, you put it down, it's here, you go in, you set it up, it's tiny, it's, it's, there's not a lot of you do with it. And that's how Paul refers to our bodies. A tent isn't a destination. It's temporary. And that's how Paul saw his body. He says, it's a, it's a tent. I think there's something to that word that he used to describe it. It's a tent. Not permanent. It's something that, yeah, you can set up. You can make do in now. It's makeshift, but it's not where I'm going to spend forever. This isn't how it's going to be forever. The real you, the real me, will live forever. Proverbs 23, 18, for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Titus 1, 2 says, a faith and knowledge is resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised. See, we're going to live forever. Our spirit will live forever. And we will actually get new bodies, the Bible says in Philippians 3. It says in verse 21, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies, the bodies that we have now, so that they will be made a glorious body for us. Because we you are, not a, you are not your body. I've, I know I'm saying it a lot. I think you might remember it. You and I, we are not our bodies. I think this really brings a lot of clarity to something. See, the Bible says that when we are born, when, when, we're, uh, when we accept Christ, that we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. We are new, made new, in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now that can be kind of hard because like, wait a second. I look in the mirror and I'm not changed. What is it that's new? It's you on the inside of the body that's new. That's what's new. Talking with a guy this week about this very thing. It's absolutely amazing that this is what I'm studying and preparing and putting here. And all of a sudden, here comes this guy. He's like, hey, I'd like to talk to you. And he's talking to me about the very thing. And then as he's talking, I'm like, I just looked up all these verses. I just kind of did this and went through here and some teaching on this and that and the next thing. I didn't prepare for this. It's for tomorrow, but you can have it right now. Here you go. But he asked, he says, you know what? This is the, his question. He said, he said I've, been, I've been saved. I've accepted Christ. He says, I've and that was years ago. He goes, and I've gone down for, for altar calls and to, to recommit my life. He said, more than once. I know that the Bible says that I am new, but if I'm new, why, am I, why, why do I still struggle and have some of the same battles? Why, why aren't they going away if I'm new? I said, well, because you are new on the inside. Your spirit is made new, but your body isn't. We have to renew our mind. We have to renew our mind. See, there's, there's, there's a battle that goes on because you are a spirit, but you live in a body, and your body wants to do things. Your body wants to do all kinds of stuff. But you are a spirit. It's there's this kind of this, this, this thing going on. And maybe you've, maybe you've heard this before. Um, it's, it's Christianese for, for sure. But that you're born again. 
are you born again? You ask somebody that, and if they're, if, if they're familiar with church, they understand what you're asking. If not, they're like, what do you mean? In fact, Jesus was talking to a man named Nicodemus, and he said, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus in the Bible goes, what are you talking about born again? How can I be born again? And he says, surely you don't mean to be to, to come out of my mother's womb a second time. And Jesus is like, oh my goodness, you don't understand this? Because Nicodemus was one of the teachers. He was, when I say a teacher, he was a teacher of the law. When I say teacher of the law, that means the Bible. Talking about the Old Testament. He says, if you don't understand this, you're gonna, you're gonna be in trouble. When we are made new, it is our spirit on the inside of us. In fact, Jesus, in talking to Nicodemus, says this in John chapter three, verse five. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to, to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you need to be born again. Spirit, it's the spirit on the inside of us that is made new. When this tent, this body that we have here wears out, that's when the real you gets to go. That's when the real you gets to go. But we have this battle that goes on because our bodies wanna do things that we don't want to do. In fact, Romans 5 talks about it this way. Romans 8, verse 5. says, those who live in live according to the sinful nature, have their minds set on what the nature, that nature wants to do. But those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. See, there's times we just have to tell our bodies to shut it. I don't say shut up, I said shut it, that's different. It's so nice, it's so easy to say. <laughs> we have to tell our bodies to shut it. So that we can, we can say this is what I'm going to do. We cannot just let them do whatever they want to do. Romans seven twenty two says this. <clears throat> it says, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. This is the new nature. This is the new you on the inside. As far as that's concerned, I love to do God's will, he says. But there's something else deep within me, in my lower nature, that's at war with my mind. And it wins the fight and makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Because in my mind, I want to be God's willing servant. I think so many of us can identify exactly with that. They're like, yes, yes, that's me. Yeah, I, there's things that I don't want to, yes. I want to do this, but I find myself where I don't want to be. But instead I find myself still enslaved to sin, he says. So you see how it is. My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that's still inside me loves to sin. There's a battle that goes on inside us. Oh, what a terrible predicament I am in. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? And then he stops. Nah, he keeps going. Thank God it has been done by Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has set us free. See, we can control, that is something to clap about for sure. That we have been given what we need to control 
our bodies, to not just let our lower nature decide for us and make decisions for us. So with my last four minutes and 32 seconds, I'm gonna give you a couple of keys to controlling and to taking control of your body, not letting it rule you, not being my body is just, this is it, but saying, okay, I am a spirit, and with my spirit, I'm gonna control my body. So number one, this. We take control of our bodies with our tongues. With our tongues, James 3, 2. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault, and so he says he is a perfect man and able to keep his entire body in check. Verse three, when, he puts, when we put a bit into the mouth of horses, we make them obey us and we can turn the animal this or that. Verse four, take a ship for example. They are so large yet they are controlled by a small rudder. Verse five, likewise the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great fire is set, up, set by a small spark. Our tongue is a major way that we control and we tell our bodies what to do. We say, I am going to do this. I am gonna do this. I think of our tongues as pulling the trigger on a gun. It doesn't matter what is loaded in it. If you don't pull the trigger, nothing's gonna happen. And when we speak it and we say it, we're telling our body, this is what is gonna happen. I am gonna do this and I am not gonna do that. I am gonna be a light wherever I go. I am gonna build the kingdom of God. I am gonna live a righteous life. I am gonna go to church. I am gonna read the Bible. I am gonna overcome. I am healed in Jesus' name. I am gonna read. We speak it as one of the ways that we control our bodies. We take control with our tongues. Another way that we control our bodies is this. Matthew 17, 21. We take control over our bodies with fasting. We fast. Fasting is teaching, is telling your body, no, I will not give you what you want. I'm gonna give my spirit what it needs. And we're telling our bodies no, and we take control. Matthew 17, 21. We, there's a power that comes when we fast. Jesus' disciples had come to him. They were unable. They were unable, the Bible says, to cast a demon out of a boy. And so the man's, the boy's father brought him to Jesus and Jesus cast the demon out. He said, you can't take care of this one except, he says in verse 21, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. There is an aspect of your life, a power that you and I will not have without fasting. Isaiah 58, six says, is this not the kind of fast I have chosen to loosen the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? If you want to get a hold on your body and to break free from the things that have been holding you, fasting is one of the ways that we do it. And then the third way is this, that we take control is this. Jude one twenty one, we take control over our bodies by praying in the spirit. Jude one twenty one, but you beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We build up our spirit. We build it up so that it is in control instead of our bodies, instead of our bodies. But death is not the end for us because we are a spirit. You and I are a spirit. So how then 
are we gonna live? 2 Corinthians 4, 8. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Our bodies, this is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And the Bible says that is where we need to fix our eyes. Not to fixate on yes and identify with I am a body, but to change the way that we identify and say, no, I am a spirit. What is unseen is what is eternal. And I'm gonna live in a way that reflects that. Because 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body. Whether good or bad. We'll unpack that whether good or bad thing next week. But we're gonna stand before God about the way that we and what we did while in the body. We have to be able to, and we need to, have an understanding that says, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna live forever. My body's going to be resurrected. I'm gonna get a new body. The real me, yes, my body is going to wear out, but the real me is gonna live forever. Yes, Jesus is gonna raise my body and give me a new one. But is what is unseen that is eternal. What is seen is temporary. How then should we live? Where should our focus be? Are we using our gifts and talents to further the kingdom of God, to make a difference in the unseen, the future that we know is coming? Or are we using our gift and talents for what is seen, for what is now? What are we using everything that God has given? What are you using everything that God has given you to do and to accomplish? You are a spirit, the real you on the inside. And it's gonna spend eternity with Jesus, with God in heaven. I guess I can't say will because I don't know for every one of you, but it can. You can. And with that, why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. My challenge is that, is that you and each and every one of us would ask, what is it, how are we living? Are we living for what is seen or what is unseen? What we know will eventually come? Or have we just put it off thinking it's so far away that I'll never be there? Do I really need to think about that yet? That's for each and every one of us. But I wanna make sure that everyone that can hear the sound of my voice, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven. That when you do die, that you know that you're on your way to heaven. See, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. So you can know that you're on your way to heaven. You can know that your sins are forgiven and that they are washed away, the sin the shame and guilt of your past can be washed away and you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven and you can begin to walk in the peace that comes only through a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know what? Yeah, there was a time I said that prayer. There was, there was a time that I knew I was on my way to heaven, but I've turned my back on God. I've walked away. I've been and fallen the desires that I know I shouldn't. I know there's a better way to live well, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. We can come back. So it's either of those. I don't want you to leave tonight until you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're forgiven, you're set free, and you are on your way to heaven and going to walk in that relationship that comes only, only through him. So if that's you, 
either of those, then on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up as high as you possibly can. Say, that's me. And what you're doing, you say, I want to, I want to leave here knowing that I'm, I'm set free. I want to be forgiven. I want to know that I'm on my way to heaven. I want to begin to walk in the peace that comes only through a relationship with him. I want to accept him as the Lord of my life. If that's you, get ready to shoot your hand up high. Ready? One, two, three. Say, that's me, and tonight is my night. I'm leaving different than I came. I'm leaving here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am, thank you, on my way to heaven. And I want to walk in the peace that comes only, thank you, through relationship with Jesus. All right, go ahead and put those hands down. And let's just all pray with those that lifted their hands. Would you say, Jesus, thank you for setting me free. From now on, I'm going to live for you. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.